Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. Hello and welcome back to the VBPH Sermon Podcast on Testimony Tuesday. We are back again and uh, it's a pleasure to uh, be here with you and to have so many people listening and joining in from all around the world. And uh, it's just incredible for me and uh, and our podcasting partner, Mr. Dave Smale, who uh, we started this uh, last year on a whim to see how far podcasting could go for the gospel and for world evangelism, and we have just been blown away. So we are very blessed and privileged to have Pastor Darren Munzone with us. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it may be, if you're an Italian, you might uh, emphasize the E, uh, but otherwise they're correct. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome. Thank you very much. A privilege and um, I appreciate the opportunity. So we do have some uh, people in the audience right now, just for for those who don't know, um, we do have the ability to re, uh, to for our premium subscribers that you can follow along and um, and you can actually watch these recordings live. So we want to uh, just give you a heads up that if you'd like to join in with the live recordings and also to be able to ask your own questions along the way. Uh, there are lots of things that I miss. So if you want to be a part of this, uh, you got to be a premium subscriber and we send out invites whenever we do a live recording. So uh, we thank those of you who are with us uh, along for the ride for that. So Pastor Darren Munzone, you are pastoring in Sydney, Australia. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we're, uh, we are in a place called Hurstville, um, which is close to Sydney Airport. And uh, been here now for um, yeah, almost 10 years here in Hurstville. For 10 years. And so for, um, I, I'm not from Australia. I don't know Sydney very well, but for those who know the area, maybe you can tell us a little bit about that place. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so uh, the majority of um, Australian towns and cities are located uh, on the coast, mostly east coast, and that's uh, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria. And then on the west side is uh, Perth, Western Australia. Uh, and so I'm from um, uh, Sydney, New South Wales, on the east coast, and um, that's uh, our church is located uh, right near the uh, the airport. We're the closest church to the airport, uh, but we have about uh, I'm going to say about 27 churches uh, in the air, in New South Wales uh, in the area, and um, the area leader is Pastor Rob Walsh, which um, some of you may be familiar with. Um, who um, I think he preached at the last Prescott Conference. Um, and the national leader is Pastor Darrell Elliott. He's in uh, Perth, Western Australia, uh, on the other side of the country. Uh, that's a, that's a uh, five-hour flight um, across to the other side of Australia. 
Um, but um, yeah, so yeah, we're located on the East Coast and uh, having a great time. They've been pastoring there for 10 years. And uh, prior to that, um, I pioneered for uh, three years. I assisted the mother church, Pastor Rob Walsh, for three years and um, here now in Herschel for 10 years. So that's wow. a quick uh, overview of the background. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. You, you must have uh, been a listener before because uh, <laughs> I usually like to get the, the short overview first. Yeah, I've been uh, listening to the podcast for a while now. And um, uh, my son, who is also a pastor, and he's uh, been pioneering for all of a month now. Uh, he wow. also listens, my son-in-law and uh, a few others. So, yeah, we, we, we listen to the podcast and the sermons and I uh, love some of the old Pastor Mitchell sermons and testimonies. It's, it's, it's a great resource. So, yeah, we appreciate it. Awesome. That's great to hear. Well, we appreciate that. So, uh, Pastor Manzone, where are you from originally? Well, um, uh, my background is Italian. My dad um, was an Italian. Uh, his, his name is Silvio Manzone, Manzone and um, uh, from Italy. But my, uh, my dad died, passed away of a heart attack some 20 years ago. Uh, when he just turned 50, he died of a heart attack. Um, and I could probably talk more about that later, uh, which is part of my testimony. But um, and so he married my mum, and her name is um, Suzanne Smith, uh, who is which is very Aussie, a generational Aussie. Uh, so we have this um, Italian Aussie uh, uh, background, and um, so uh, I I didn't learn I never learnt to speak Italian. Um, and um, back when I was a kid, it was very uncool to be uh, to be Italian or Greek or of some other European place. Um, and it was always uh, it was war at school between uh, the foreigners and the Aussies. So I just uh, became an Aussie. Okay. What was the uh, what was the place that you were growing up in? I grew up in Sydney, uh, here in Sydney, and. Um, um, Pretty much the beachside suburbs uh, grew up there um, until I was about 10 years old. Then my parents divorced uh, and my mum remarried and moved away to a country area, a very remote uh, rural area. And I spent the next 10 years there in a, growing up on a, on a farm or in a ranch, as an American would call it. Uh, and then uh, when I was 18, I moved back to Sydney. Okay, so brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have a, a brother, a younger brother, a younger sister, and a half-brother. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my siblings. When your parents and you had to move out of the and to the farm, uh, was that a big adjustment for your family? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, my parents got divorced when I was about 10 years old. And so, um, that was the first, uh, I guess, major, uh, level of, um, uh, rejection to some degree and a cause of bitterness, resentment, anger. And I know it's true that, uh, re divorce really does cause kids to be angry. And um, uh, there are large, large uh, implications to divorce. And so I grew up a very angry teenager. 
because of divorce, but then secondly, because my mum remarried and moved me far away from any other family, friends, sports, people that I knew, school. Um, so I became a very angry teenager. And how did that affect you? Uh, well, um, uh, when my mum moved us to this uh, country place, um, to this uh, farm uh, where we lived, within days of arriving, I met our neighbours. I'm just a 12-year-old teenager, met our neighbours, and within days, we were I was fighting with them. Um, and, you know, it might seem like a fairly um, placid kind of thing, you know, 12-year-old fighting, but I'm talking about serious fist fighting. Um, and uh, we were fist fighting with our neighbors, but that, that was the beginning. And then I, it was very common for me to be in fist fights at school. Um, I played rugby and uh, rugby league. Um, and so I had lots of fights playing rugby league and um, got into lots of trouble with aggression and violence as a, as a teenager. Um, and, and probably rebelled a lot against my mum and my stepdad uh, and anyone that I had the opportunity to uh, fight or uh, be aggressive towards. Uh, that, that's the way it played out. So were you the class? Well, yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, where my, where my parents, my mum moved us to was a very small town. Um, and so where I went to high school, there was one, one class per age group. So uh, one class for the first year of high school. So the, the, the school um, was only about 100 kids. So it's a small school. And I had every opportunity to be the class bully. Um, uh, I matured, being half Italian, I matured a little quicker than most other kids. So I was bigger, stronger, uh, and definitely uh, bullied other kids uh, to my regret. Hmm. That I've heard from other people that had is that a lot of that from need to, you know, prove yourself or from a, a lack of. Is that true for you also? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, my dad, uh, you know, he, I only really spoke to him in that 10-year period. Uh, when I was a teenager, I spoke to him a couple of times a year um, and, um, and felt somewhat uh, rejected, abandoned, and, um, but didn't think about that a lot. I just took it upon myself to just, as you said, perhaps prove myself. And I wanted to do that in sport. And that was really my, um, my goal, my ambition in life uh, was to be a, a sportsman. I played what, what we call rugby league. Um, uh, and to perhaps many of your listeners uh, in America or other places may not be familiar with rugby league, but it's like rugby, um, but slightly different rules. Um, but I, I, um, there was a career pathway in that, and I pursued that. That really was my life, my ambition, my dream. Um, and so I kind of fashioned my life, uh, shaped my life towards doing that. Did you excel in the sport? Did you do well? Well, uh, you know, it's the uh, – not really is the short answer. Um, I really, as a teenager, I really um, committed myself to that. I was told by lots of people. 
you know, you could be a professional, you could make it. Um, and so I tried, it wasn't through a lack of trying. Um, I disciplined myself. Uh, I, I trained very hard. And when I became 18, I moved back to Sydney and I attempted to become a professional rugby player, rugby league player. And I, and I had a little bit of success, but um, lots of injuries, lots of setbacks. I was really too small um, and really not good enough, to be honest. Um, I have suffered a number of injuries. Um, I've had, uh, you know, my face split open many times. I had my ear literally ripped off the side of my head and had to have it sewn back on. I've broken all my fingers. Um, my AC joint in my shoulder uh, has serious shoulder problems and I've had two knee reconstructions. Uh, so all of those things combined, um, the bottom line is no, I was not, uh, I was at a semi-professional level, but not all that successful um, as a player. Um, but um, after all of those things happened, um, it was not out of my system. So I turned to coaching and I was far more successful as a semi-professional uh, coach. Okay. So the team, tell me a little bit more about that. I think I caught your question. If you're asking what the team that I was involved with, is that, is that what you're asking? I really fully catch that. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, um, uh, here in Australia, um, we have, um, probably, uh, three, uh, sporting codes, uh, that, uh, we call football, which is not soccer, um, but football. So we have Australian rules. We have rugby union and rugby league. Um, all three are played at a professional level. Um, and so my sport was rugby league. Um, and uh, so uh, I played for a, a team that is based here in Sydney as a professional team, um, but I never, I never made the first, um, first grade team. I played for the um, uh, lower uh, level uh, team, I guess you call that, and really only a few games until I suffered all of those injuries. Uh, but then I came back and coached at, a, um, at that level um, and but I shaped my life to be a professional coach. That's really that's really what it was where I was headed. Um, I qualified uh, to the highest degree, um, a qualification higher than most professional coaches even to today. Um, and um, and so I became a um, I became professional a semi professional coach for about five years uh, until I got saved really, and then um, things things took a different direction. One of my favorite questions is what kind of spiritual background did you looking back do you did you ever have any encounters? Um yeah I'm really I'm not catching that but I think you're asking about my spiritual background. Um I had no spiritual background. I I grew up a Catholic if you like um one of those chasters went to church at Christmas and Easter. Um that that, that was about it. And um, I, I had no understanding of Christianity, uh, what it means to be born again. Never heard of that ever in my life. And so um, I, my family, we grew up, we never went to church. Um, really, uh, my grandparents t 
took me at Christmas or Easter. Um, but I had no spiritual background whatsoever. Um, and uh, But my wife, uh, we were already married. My wife got saved four and a half years before I did, um, which was a very uh, difficult time uh, for her. Um, it sounds lame for me to say for me as well, but it was more so for her. When you were uh, coaching the team, it, it sounds, uh, I mean, this was back in Sydney after, after you'd uh, grown up a little bit. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm now in my, um, uh, what am I, mid-20s, I guess. It was like after you graduated from, uh, from high school that you decided to go back to the big city? Um, yeah, that's right. I graduated from high school, moved back to the city. Um, I qualified as a um, high school uh, phys ed teacher and uh, went to university, studied, became a, a phys ed teacher. Um, I worked a little bit and then um, couldn't really find a full-time job. So um, my wife and I, uh, well, we actually, we were not married at the time, but so my girlfriend and I, we decided to um, uh, go and live in England and uh, travel around uh, Europe, the UK, the Middle East. Um, she is a qualified nurse. Um, and I'm a high school uh, PE teacher. And so uh, we went and lived in England for a year. In, in one sense, I was running away from what I thought was broken dreams. And my dream was to be a professional sportsman. And so that now is all fallen apart. Um, and because of the injuries I suffered, so I said, let's go. And so, uh, you know, it's an interesting little story to that is, that uh, uh, we went into the bank to borrow money to buy a to buy a house, and uh, the bank gave us pre-approval and said that's going to be a loan for the next thirty years. And we both looked at each other and we said, thirty years, man, forget that. So we just walked straight into a travel agent and we booked a flight to Europe to London and said, let's just go, let's just go. And we went and we basically spent the money that we would have had for a house deposit. And we uh, traveled around um, all around the world uh, for a year. Um, and um, instead of buying a house, we, we, we just, we ran away. Um, and so, um, so while I was there in England, I, um, this is after I had a knee reconstruction and um, I tried to play rugby in England, but it didn't work. I just couldn't run. I just couldn't. It just wasn't going to work. So I played cricket. I had a season of, or two of cricket in England and uh, really enjoyed that. And so obviously sport was still in my system. Uh, but then after a year of living in London, my wife um, got, she be, or my girlfriend became my fiance. We were engaged. She became pregnant and had a miscarriage. Uh, but she was devastated by that and she wanted to come home. So uh, after a year, we planned to be there two years. But after one year, we came home. Um, and um, when we came home, um, really, um, that's when I started coaching. That's what I um, really committed to that. But that's also where my hers and my salvation story begins. Hmm. Well, well, tell me about that, because uh, I'm, I'm curious, um, uh, f from doing many of these interviews, <laughs> uh, I, I've noticed uh, a common theme, and you can tell me if, if we're off base here, but 
it seems as though sometimes there's there's a turn or you know God begins to lead people to to himself he begins to guide our steps and so uh, um, when, when did that begin happening for you yeah well you know we um we came home and um because my fiance had a miscarriage you know we had some sense of doing right so because she had a miscarriage we came home and we said you know we should get married and that would be the right thing to do you you, you know you felt pregnant and had a miscarriage and um you know even though her parents were divorced my parents were divorced uh we said you know let's just do the right thing and so uh, we got married um so we came back in march we got married in april and um not long after that um my wife started to um be depressed she was working as a nurse uh, she got a job as a nurse almost straight away as soon as we came back to australia um i got a job as a high school uh, teacher a pe teacher as soon as we came back she was working shift work i was working during the day so we didn't really see each other very often um but we were married um but she started to become depressed um she blamed herself that we'd come back from our uh, planned overseas trip a year earlier than expected uh, she was a bit depressed of having a um a miscarriage and uh, that just didn't work out and she blamed herself and blamed herself that um she thought i was angry or annoyed with her that uh, we'd cut our um holiday if you like if you want a living working holiday that we'd cut that short and so she got depressed and so to escape that she started gambling um and um would go down to um various bars and things um while I was at work during the day and she would gamble um playing uh poker machines so they had these poker machines there and uh, she was gambling and uh, this went on for a period of time until she gambled all of our money away um and then one day she came home and she said oh, i you need to sit down i need to tell you something and um um she, well she told me firstly that she'd gambled all our money away and that was you know i was pretty money driven um i somehow i had this fantasy that i would retire rich at 40 i had no money i had no it was a total it was a total fantasy um unsaved worldly fantasy but um when so when she told me that she'd gambled all our money away um which was about $10,000 at the time um i was annoyed um but i thought well you know you not the end of the world we'll recover from that but then she said but wait i have to tell you something else she said i became a born again christian and <laughs> that's where i really lost the plot <laughs> And so um you know I I'd never heard of a born again Christian um as far as I was aware um you know to me that was like she'd become a nun or something um because I only knew Catholicism I didn't like it but I that's the only thing I knew and so to me it's like she'd become a nun or something and so and I was just not happy I was like man if I I if I wanted to meet some christian you know you know I, i would have went to church or some but i met you in a pub i met you in a bar and we traveled around and 
I said, you, this is a ripoff. Mm. Um, and so from that point on, she lived for God, but I totally rejected that. And I fought against that and I pushed back. I was, I was never violent to her, but I was certainly aggressive, uh, violent with my words. Um, and I just didn't want to know anything about it. And I just, I totally rejected her salvation. Um, um, even though it helped her, even though she'd become a better person, even though she was not depressed anymore, um, I still hated with a passion the fact that she'd become a Christian. Um, so it made our household uh, very difficult. Did you uh, did you have children by this time? Uh, not yet. Okay. Um, not initially, but um, the, the first few years were, um, you know, just her working, me working, and her going to church, and me and me pushing back against that. Um, you so, know, I was the school that I was teaching at was a Catholic school, and um, they, they paid for me to do a um, postgraduate diploma in Catholicism. Wow! Which really, I didn't care about that. It, all it meant it meant was a pay rise. Right. So for me, any if they're going to pay me more money, yeah, sure, I'll do it, no problem. And so I did it. I cheated. I just copied other people's test papers and copied their assignments. Um, and um and did the course but in the process of doing that course my wife has gotten saved and so i really don't know nothing i know nothing at that stage nothing about the bible even though this was a a, a course in catholicism and essentially the bible i knew nothing and so but what but i knew enough to argue a little so i would say things to my wife like Oh, you, you're still here. The, the UFOs haven't taken you away yet. And obviously, I'm referring to the rapture, right? <laughs> um, but I really knew nothing about it, but just enough to tease or mock her or make life difficult for her. Did she have a, a support system? I mean, she must have had a, a church that she was going to. Yeah. Um, she got saved in the Potter's House, um, a place called Parramatta, um, Pastor Rob Walsh was the um uh, the pastor there and still is so she got saved there uh, she was a nurse and uh, one of her nurse friends witnessed to her uh and invited her to church um uh, which was about an hour away from where we lived wow and so um she had a great a great support system from the church from uh pastor Walsh uh, his wife and um some of the ladies in the church um, and they really helped her through that period of time where she was essentially she was like a single mum because I did not support anything she was doing. Mm. So those church people were like the enemy to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, to some degree. Um, you know, I remember one day we were down in the beach and um, uh, somehow I saw a photo of Pastor Walsh or uh, somehow I knew what he looked like and we were down at the beach and I saw him, he was walking towards us in the distance and I said to my, oh, look, there's the priest. Um, and so I don't know about the enemy. I don't know that I necessarily, I didn't hate them. I just didn't know anything about them and I just didn't, I just wasn't for it. 
Wow. So uh, are you familiar with uh, with an author named Lee Strobel? Yes. Yeah, a Christian author. It's a, he had a, a very similar experience where his wife got saved and he was a staunch atheist. And uh, he he tells the story of how he basically created a, you know, a, um, a terrible household because of, of, you know, persecuting his own wife. And but uh, it, it sounds like something similar was going on. And uh, but I'm sure people were praying for you, though. Yeah. You know, it, I really did um, make life difficult for my wife. And as I said, I was never physically violent towards her, but I was. Um, definitely verbally violent, um, you know, swear and curse and, you know, throw her Bibles away and, uh, you know, just punching walls and aggressive. So created life very difficult, uh, made life very difficult for her. Um, but the church was praying and um, uh, Pastor Walsh's wife, Anne, she would come over to our house when I was not there and they would lay hands on my pillow and on my bed and around the house and uh, say things like uh, you know pray things like purify your heart you double-minded man and you know those those kinds of prayers um and uh, so they were praying and so the day that i got saved event with it when i eventually got saved uh the church had already been praying for me for years and the church uh just kind of broke out in tears when I got saved. And it was actually with a visiting preacher. Wow. Well, before, and, uh, before you get to that like, story, I got a couple. What's going on here, you know? <laughs> I bet, I bet. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, how, how, yeah. long, how long were you in that situation where your wife was saved, but you were not? It was four and a half years. Wow, wow. And so is it true, I, I, I often wonder about this, that you were making your, your, your wife and your marriage so miserable because you disagreed with this decision. But do you think, looking back on it now, that you actually strengthened her faith by providing um, an opportunity to for her to experience some of that persecution and join her closer to Christ? Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever asked her that question. But I can tell you now that um, she's a warrior, man. She prayed and fasted. She fasted every Wednesday and um uh, for years for me to get saved and even when it seemed like that was further and further uh never going to happen uh, she continued to fast and pray um and um you know she uh a couple of interesting little stories about that that that, that may build a picture here is a couple of things that happened she um had some books so firstly she i mean she's committed right she's like really saved really dedicated um she's really um really locked in um and so it didn't matter what i said or what i did i threatened her so many times i told her you choose it's this jesus or me and she said don't make me choose because it won't be you yeah <laughs> so yeah so like you know she's feisty and so she and it won't, I won't choose you. And so I, to me, I was like, wow, man, she's like, this is really serious. So, so she was pretty, she was sold out. She was really converted, you know? And so she, she, over time though, she got these books, how to be married to an unsaved husband um, and some other books like that. And God spoke to her and said, you know, get rid of those books. Mm. 
So she, she pulled those books out of the cupboard and got rid of those. And then she began to pray and, um, you know, praying for my salvation and praying, um, uh, for God to, to, to meet with me. And remember at this time, I'm, I'm a semi-professional coach. So I'm, I'm committed to that. And I'm, I'm away almost five nights a week. I'm away on weekends. And I didn't care. I was happy to do that. And I, I, in my mind, I'm pursuing a career in professional sport. Um, I had no interest in what she was doing or where she was going, going to church. I don't care. Um, and so, um, um, but she, she starts praying for my salvation and she, and the church is praying and, and, um, she, we had a TV. I refused to, um, you know, uh, she mentioned something about, about not watching TV, and I, I think I manifest. <laughs> I think my head span around backwards when she mentioned that. But, <laughs> um, but uh, so we had a TV, and she was watching Christian TV, and this testimony. This lady gives a testimony, and talks about she was praying for a date for her husband to get saved, and my wife began to pray. So that's that's what I want. I want a date for my husband to get saved, and she felt like. God spoke to her and told her to write down the 17th of December, 2000. Wow. Um, and this was in about August, I think. And, um, and so she wrote that down and then God told her and said, if you have faith, you need to call five friends and tell them about that. And so she did. She called five of her friends and said, I feel like God's speaking to me. My husband, I want to write down this date for him to get saved. Um, and so uh, she did and she called them and she told them and, um, um, but so, yeah, so she had a, a praying network of people and friends and pastor's wife. So uh, that, that was kind of a long answer to your question, but. Oh, wow. That's well, the that, background. That, that's the kind of answers that we like on this podcast. <laughs> But um, we, uh, yeah, that that is really encouraging because I can tell you just even here in our church in Virginia Beach, how often um, a, a wife will come in and get saved, and a stubborn husband that uh, you know, and how frustrating that can be. Uh, who does come and the church is praying for him, and so you, your your story is very encouraging for somebody who might be in that or. Or somebody who's in a church and helping someone else to pray, um, what what would you what would how would you encourage yeah. them in that situation? Yeah, you know that's true, and I see that I see that also here in our church. We often have um, uh, ladies come in, even with kids, unsaved husbands, stubborn, uh, just like myself. But I, you know, I would, you know, my wife prayed for me to get saved in August. Um, I don't I don't know if we're ready to uh, if you're ready for me Please. to talk about how I got saved or not but yeah go ahead yeah so so yeah so my wife um when she prayed for that um she wrote it down in her diary and then I guess a number of major events happened that that were preceding the day that I got saved. So she wrote down 17th of December, 2000. Um, um, I went away on a rugby trip with a bunch of 20 year olds. By this time we'd had a son. We had, a, we had a, our son Luke um, and he was just young, but he, he, 
I was away on a rugby trip, and while we were away, um, all the all these 20-year-olds, they're all drinking and getting drunk. And I thought to myself, you know, and I was as well, but I thought to myself, what am I doing here, man? My wife is at home. Um, I have a son. What am I doing away here? And so I took a walk down along the beach. And when I walked down along the beach, there was a little Pentecostal church there. And I just, I just happened to look in and heard them singing songs. And I thought to myself, I guess that's what my wife does every Sunday morning. Um, and so then, I, you know, I didn't think much of that, but I just walked by and it carried on. And um, then the next week, um, I went to a finance seminar. Um, and at this finance seminar, you know, that people were, this was a $6,000 a head finance seminar. And um, I was friends with the guy who ran the business and he let my wife and I go for free. My wife really wasn't interested. You know, she's really saved and she's really... Um, converted but she wasn't interested but she was interested in supporting me um so you know again i had this idea of getting rich and so she came with me and at this seminar they were testifying and saying you know they were weeping and crying and how the seminar had helped them and uh, to me it was a it was just a joke you know and i i thought i said to my wife man these people need to go to your church <laughs> um i don't but they do right <laughs> and so um so that was the, the next weekend. And so, you know, I'm telling these stories because you can see God was moving mm. and God was doing something in me and um, confirming uh, things my wife had prayed for. And then the next weekend, um, they had a visiting speaker. He was a sporting guy at the church, sporty background. And my wife kind of tricked me a little and she said, oh, why don't you come to church and um, hear this guy speak? He's got a sporting background. And you'd like it. And Pastor Walsh has a sporting background. He's also a phys ed teacher. So I said, well, you know, it's been four and a half years. And so I said, I guess the least I could do after being away on a rugby trip and spending most of my life separate from her so far. I went to the finance seminar and she came with me. The least I could do, I suppose, is go and see what she does on a Sunday morning. Return the favor. So... I agreed to go. Wow. Yeah. I got to be honest with you, though. I had no interest in becoming a Christian. I had no, nothing in me that day said, I'm going to go because I want to get saved, be a Christian, go to church. In fact, the complete opposite. On the way to church that day, um, I said to my wife, I, listen, I don't, I'll go with you, but I don't, I'm not talking to anybody. You know, I've got this attitude, you know, it's like I'm not talking to anybody. I don't want to be friends with anybody. I'm just going to support you and see what you do. And then I'm out of there. Wow. So, you know, so she says, okay. Um, you know, she, she was surprised that when she invited me to come that I even said yes. So, so that Sunday morning comes around and we, we get in the car to go and we're driving there and, you know, it's an hour away. So I'm complaining about that as well. And I, and I say to her, listen, who in their right mind drives an hour to go to church? This is, this is stupid. So I'm like, listen, the next church we drive past, just stop there. That's where we're going to church. She's like, no, no, no. We've got to go to my church. And so we fought about that all the way there. <laughs> um, you know, 
And so, you know, we're getting, I'm like, you know, I'm looking at my watch. And so we get there and when we get there, I said, listen, I don't, I just want to sit at the back. And, and so we get there and it's in this little school hall and we get there and this guy meets me at the door and pulls me in, shakes my hand. His hand was about five times the size of mine. He's massive dude. He's now uh, an evangelist, evangelist Corey Bourne. Uh, but he greeted me and he pulled me into the building and sat me from about third row from the front. And I was like, man, I'm just, I'm shaking my head. I mean, what in the world am I doing here? I don't want to be here. Full of pride, full of ego. Just, I'm thinking, what if my friends see me? I'm an hour away from home, just so full of pride, you know? Wow. And so, um, so I'm there, I'm in the church now everything going against what I wanted to do. And I'm there and the guy preached the song service. You know, I did the usual thing, kept my hands in my pockets. And, um, you know, I don't know if I even stood up. I was one of those arrogant people. (laughs) um, And so, you know, he preached and um, I don't have a clue what he preached. But prior to that, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention, I probably should back up a little here. I forgot to mention um, my dad had uh, died already. Oh, wow. And this is a significant issue because because my dad died very suddenly when he was 50. And um, we actually played cricket together. We played sport together. And um, one day when I was away on a rugby trip, he had a heart attack playing cricket. And um, all of my friends tried to revive him. And it was very sudden. Um, but he was announced dead on arrival at the hospital. And my wife had to track me down and find me. And the yeah, the the the, the sporting team had they had they flew me back, and uh, I came back, and we had the funeral. Mm. Were Were you close with um, him? But so yeah, so um, you know, we, my when my mum remarried and moved away for that ten year period, I was not so close with him. But then when I was eighteen, when I moved back to Sydney, I moved back to live with him. And we reestablished our relationship and we had a very close, close relationship. Um, and he was very supportive of me. Um, and, uh, yeah, we had a very close relationship. So when he died, it was a big shock to me. Um, and, um, difficult to process. Um, but after he died and before I got saved, I asked myself the question, where would my dad be in light of eternity? Mm. And what does God think of my life? And I, and I asked myself that question, maybe even in the privacy of my own mind and thought life. Um, and I asked myself that question, where would my dad spend eternity? And what does God think of my life? I wonder. So those are some good questions. Fast forward that to... Yeah. And, you know, I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved. But those thoughts did come into my mind. And um, so the day that my wife invited me to church, those some of those questions in the altar call came back to my mind. Mm. And I don't remember anything that the that he preached about. I don't remember the sermon. I don't remember what he was talking about. All I remember was sitting there looking at my watch thinking, man, hurry up. I just want to get out of here. But when the altar call came, 
he really answered all of my questions. And he answered my questions by saying, if you're not right with God, you are going to spend eternity in hell. And that seems like a fairly brutal kind of statement, but really it answered my questions. You know, I asked, where would my dad be? And where will I, what does God think of my, my life? And so he said, if you're not right with God, you're going to spend eternity in hell. And so he said that seven times over and over. And I'm just sitting there, I'm listening and listening and listening. And by the seventh time, I just said to myself, man, I know I'm not right with God. And I know I'm going to go to hell if I die. And I don't know where my dad's going to be in eternity, but I know where I'm going to be. Mm. And I, in that moment, I just said, man, I'm not right with God and I need to get this right. And, and it was totally the Holy Ghost. I didn't even know what I was doing really, but I lifted my hand and I responded to the altar call. Wow. Um, and I went to the front and prayed. And it was, in, in one sense, very emotional. I don't know. I'm not an emotional person at all, um, but I felt uh, emotional. And, um, and that day was the 17th of December, 2000. Um, that was the day that my wife had written down in August. Um, and, and so that day, the day that I got saved, 17th of December, 2000, I prayed a sinner's prayer and um, the church, they were all weeping afterwards. And the visiting speaker was like, man, what? What's, I didn't think the sermon was that good. What's going on? <laughs> um, and then, but then they, yeah. And so then uh, they, they told him that, you know, they'd been praying for me for years um, and that today I'd gotten saved for the first time ever. Um, and I really did get saved. I got converted that day. And, and despite my pushback and my resistance, and I, I had no interest in getting saved, but God, by the Holy Ghost, got a hold of me that day and I genuinely got converted and I never looked back and I've never backslidden and I've never, we've, you know, I said that day and we went home and I said to my wife, this doesn't mean I'm going to go to church every weekend, but we literally did. <laughs> and um, Little did you know. <laughs> yes, little did I know what God had in store, you know, and so... Um, God totally um, did a miracle. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of said all that to answer your question. You know, what, what would you say or how would you encourage people who have an unsaved husband or unsaved family member uh, is I would say, don't give up and just continue to pray and fast and believe God because God really can do a miracle at any moment um, and be a testimony. My wife was a very solid testimony of faithfulness, righteousness, and um, just obeying the word of God. And whilst it can seem like living that sort of testimony is um, can come with some pushback, um, which it did, but it spoke very loud and clear to me that she was a different person because of it and a better person because of it, and it wasn't that bad. Uh, and so um, ultimately uh, her testimony and the drawing power of the Holy Spirit is really what uh, what helped me to get saved. Oh, wow. That's a, an amazing story. 
And as you were speaking, I thought of First uh, Peter chapter three, which this must, <laughs> this must, I mean, this is your life story here. First uh, Peter three, verse one, you wives submit to the authority of your husbands. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing yeah. your pure and reverent lives. That is uh that is a promise come true for you, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And um um you know at first my wife she would invite me to church and to, but she realized, you know, that wasn't it wasn't gonna work and she realized that a quiet and gentle spirit wins the lost. She just began to serve and she would say things to me like, I love you. And I'm thinking, man, you're crazy. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm bad to you. And you're saying you love me. Um, and she would clean the house and cook for me and do things. And I just, it would, it just really, it irritated me. Um, cause I wanted her to, I wanted her to fight so I could push back, but she just, she really, she really was that. Um, and a great testimony, um, you know, and, and true to Acts sixteen thirty one, that um, you know, uh, you know that you and your household mm -hmm. can get saved if you uphold a righteous testimony, and that's obviously um, you know Paul and Silas and the Philippian jailer, and the Philippian jailer's family ends up getting saved, and so, um, and since then, you know, my mother in law has gotten saved. My mother's my well, my mum prayed a sinner's prayer, but she's probably backslidden now, but. So yeah, so there's been some some um, um, good flow on effect. You've reached the end of the preview of this Testimony Tuesday episode. If you want to hear the second half of this interview, please use the links in the show notes to subscribe. You'll get daily sermons, full testimonies, and an interruption-free listening experience. And every dollar goes to world evangelism. Thanks for listening to this episode of Testimony Tuesday on the VVPH Sermon Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon Podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.